Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another extremely adequate episode <laughs> of Inspiration Point. I'm Andrew. And I'm Adam. How's it going, dude? Man, I love those intros. You just you bring the energy right away. I know the tone that I need to go for, that I need to try to match. You know, I I I try to be as easy to match as possible. Approachable. You're approachable. You know, there we go. You might there we say go. We are both approachable people. You could approach us. I mean, Although the cops I'm, wouldn't stop you. I'm told I have an angry look when I'm thinking. Oh, you have that. Uh, you have that. Uh, yeah, I know what it. you're thinking. Yeah, but we. The, that's not. Yeah. That's not the word we use on this show, sir. That's, yes. Is, what this word? is a family show. This is a family show because we're family, and this is a show. I just had a picture of a like a dad and mom and kids and the dad is definitely wearing a sweater vest and they're all sitting around and, and listening to this on an old timey radio. I, that's the picture I had. <laughs> that's because we share a brain. <laughs> that would explain uh, why we're not good at programming. Yeah, it would. By the way, for any listeners who don't know, we suck at programming. We can't do it. No, nope. nor do we want to. Sorry, college teachers. Well, they they knew. They did know. They saw us. They're like, you're going to be worthless in here. How's your life, Andrew? Like, what are you? How's it going these days? <laughs> well, I'm I'm alive. So that's, you know, we set the bar real low around here. <laughs> box number one is checked. Um, I got my mitts on Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which is uh i read the uh the review that they did over at kotaku and they said that their back of the box quote would be a viking's life for me and i read that i was like yep sign me up and uh, i signed up and i don't regret it good yeah have you played it yet i played a little bit this afternoon on my lunch break um and Granted, I'm running on my old uh, GTX 980 graphics card, which at the time of buying it, it was top end. So it's still got some beef in it, but I still had to turn a lot of things down to like medium and that hurt me on a soul deep level. Um, so I I'm definitely in the market for a new graphics card so once those things are actually available uh i may be able to crank this thing through the roof but until then uh it's still really awesome even even at medium the game looks great the combat feels good um i'm playing on a difficulty that's uh easiest thanks no <laughs> well it's a step above regular. <laughs> Thank you very much. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, it's like I didn't expect that. One below heart. Hey, if I'm going to be a viking, I'm going to be a dang viking. Go go big or go home, man. <laughs> All right. Awesome. I like the I like this. Uh that that sounds maybe a bit out of the comfort zone. Yeah. I was I was looking, I was like, "You know what? We're going to we're going to hardcore this thing." I mean, not very very hardcore, but the harder of the cores. One thing that was really interesting that I noticed when setting up the game, you know how normally when you start a video game, it'll ask you like what difficulty settings you prefer. It first, it asks you about um, the like combat diff or the overall difficulty you want. And then I think it asks you about, um, I think it was combat difficulty specifically. And then there was another one that specifically asked you about. Oh, no, no, no. It had a separate difficulty for uh, world exploration. So you could do very, very easy where it's like it has all these different quest markers. It shows you exactly oh, what everything is and stuff. And then there's the medium which is like kind of limited. You got to look around for stuff a little bit. And then there's like, like kind of an intense 
uh, like more immersive, like very poignant things, super minimal HUD. Um, nice. So you can choose that specific difficulty. And then there was a specific stealth difficulty setting. Mm. So you could determine how like basically how aware guards are and stuff. Mm-hmm. If stealth tends to be like a real pain in your butt. Or if you really want to go like full splinter cell and have to, you know, play like a razor's edge. I, I like that. I also like it when when uh, video games, you know, they, they don't call it easy. They call it story mode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it makes, yeah. Me, makes me feel a little better. Getting through Divinity to the first time I was like, OK, I don't have a big brain. I, I, I got <laughs> I got to do other stuff today. Yeah. Story mode. Story mode. I I think like back in the day, I think it was like Wolfenstein where if you had to pick the difficulties like easy mode showed like uh or maybe it was Doom and it showed Doom guy and he had like a pacifier in his mouth and a bonnet and it was just like straight up insulting you like from the get go like we dare you to pick this you wuss. Like just and now they're like, you know what? If you want to pick easy, that's cool. You do your thing like so much nicer nowadays. You know what they should do? This is what I would do. This is what I would do. And this would be the inspiration point way. I would have like 10 different difficulty settings and every one of them would sound like way hard, like insanity mode, you know, and that would be only halfway up. And and no, no, no. That, once you finish the game on any of those modes that's like higher than normal, it just there's just a message that said it was always on hardest. You just need to believe in yourself more. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> just Dumbo's feather. It those kids. didn't matter. You just placebo effect. Them. We only had one difficulty the whole time. And you did it because you had you it inside it. all along. You ha- and this is definitely not my cop out for <laughs> not making more difficulties. Not at all. Uh, speaking about not copping out, how are you doing? <laughs> Nailing oh, those man. segues. Oh, man. Uh, well, I uh, just got done playing a little bit of League of Legends, which is not a new game by any means. But, you know, I, I had a I had one re- really good match. And then I had a, an okay, not so great match. And then I had a third, very bad match. Oof. And in all three cases, we won. But it's the worst kind of win when the one guy in your team does everything and you were like around but died a little. Oh, that felt bad. I was like, like I, want, I felt like I owed the guy like an apology for like wasting his time. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> like what happened okay. it'll get better i don't know i felt behind uh i was playing jungle the enemy jungler got a couple of levels on me pretty early and mm. i just i couldn't keep up i felt like everything i was doing was just resulting in in dying uh i probably got overconfident because the first game was like the polar opposite where i couldn't do anything wrong oh man and i was like like just in the zone, the force was with me. I was also playing one of my favorite characters, oh. Zach, who is like a blob. <laughs> He's basically a blob guy. Oh, I was thinking Saved by the Bell. And he slings shots himself around and turns into blobs. Like, it's really fun. But anyway. That sounds great. Yeah, man. I was like Zen mode. And then I played Volibear and it wasn't so good. And then Ooh. I played Shivana and Fed. So not so Oof. fun. Not fun to feed. Well, you know, you, you know what we ought to do? is feed these good people some inspiration. How's that sound? I agree. I so agree. So we are on an even-numbered episode, episode numero 14, and uh, that means you're first. Wow, okay. That makes it easier to remember because I didn't have such a complex system in my mind. I, I just realized, like, on our first episode, I went first. So yeah, there you go. That that's okay. about the limit of my math expertise. Not programmers. No. So what do you got? Well, this is called pulling punches. Oh. And speaking of difficulties. 
Yeah, I had a session last night that I was largely proud of, uh, but I wasn't in love with how it ended. Mm. And part of it had to do with this topic, which is why it was fresh in my mind and, and why I was thinking about it. And, you know, we all have our different philosophies as, uh, as uh, DMs and GMs and that sort of thing. Yeah. But I definitely believe that, you know, DMs have to be very aware that they're, you know, they're, they have to control this, the system in order to help drive the plot along and to make a gaming experience that is enjoyable for everyone. Yeah. And I mean, depending on your level of expertise as a GM, that, that control can sometimes feel tenuous at best. So I wouldn't, I don't know if I did it right last night. Hmm. So I thought about a lot of what is doing it right. And I, and I asked some of our friends what they thought. And a lot of it was, were things I thought I knew, mm-hmm. but you know, when, when you're in the moment and you're sort of improving these things and sometimes the players do things that are unexpected, right. You know, it can throw you for a bit of a loop. Yeah. And I mean, it's like those moments where, uh, you know, you get in an argument with somebody or any situation where you have some exchanged dialogue and then you know half an hour after it's concluded you think of the perfect thing you could have said that's right my my shower bottles have heard a lot of great arguments yeah it's like oh man one of them falls down that's when you know you really got them oh yes um anyway just to quickly explain pulling punches at least in the way i'm going to define it here is that moment where you as the DM decide not to use the most deadly, perhaps logical tactic that you could use because you want to preserve a character's life. Mm. Sometimes a la the monsters know what they're doing. Some right. of those tactics can be pretty brutal. They really can be. And I find myself sometimes needing to hold back a little bit. Totally. Uh, and I think I want to start with this. Like one of the, my, earliest philosophies that I sort of developed uh, for myself. I mean, it's not like I came up with it, but, you know, just something I I guess I noticed when I was DMing early on was that the DM screen wasn't there for me to cheat. I mean, it was, but not just against my players, but for my players. Mm -hmm. Right. It allows you to to roll a 20 and say you didn't. It also allows you, by the way, to punish a player who is being cocky. You roll a one and you say you rolled a 20. That's also... Okay, under certain circumstances. How many times have you done that? Oh, probably like twice ever. I mean, not hardly at all. Is it worth it? I think one time a kid was really being obnoxious. And, you know, listen, you have to establish dominance at the table. Jeez. (laughs) But I have fudged a lot of times I've I would have like killed a player. Mm -hmm. I've, I've fudged that a few times. And and I don't like to do it often because a couple of things, players do need to feel like the game is a game. They need to feel mortal. Yeah. They have to feel drama. And if you overuse the uh, plot armor, you're going to kill that sense of drama. In the early seasons of Game of Thrones, they were excellent about making sure that that players, the characters didn't feel like they had plot armor. Like you really weren't sure what was going to happen. Yeah. In the later seasons, this was not true. Yeah. Uh, or at least it was less true. Yeah. Uh, there was definitely a lot more plot armor. Sir Braun of the Blackwater was unkillable. <laughs> well, gotta love Jerome Flynn, man. <laughs> yeah, unless uh, you're uh, Lena Hetty, then apparently you don't. But anyway, so on the one hand, we want players to feel mortal. But on the other hand, we want them to feel important. Their stories need to matter. Mm. So there's a strange balance of trust and fear yeah that i think you need to establish with with players they need to understand that actions have consequences and this can sometimes be the source of conflict but without that fear then it's hard to take the game seriously it's hard to pay attention to it Hmm. on the other hand a meaningless death is meaningless and terrible so how do we solve this problem so basically i have a couple of rules when to pull and a couple of rules of when not to pull. Mm. Now, I before we jump yeah. into those. Sure. When you were 
you know, asking around and thinking about this prior to this evening, do you feel like you arrived at a solid yeah. rule? I do. Or answer? Yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. Very cool. I was going to save it for the end, but no, no, maybe no. I could save, lead off with save, it. Save it for the end. I just, okay. I was just curious if, if that was there or not. Yeah. Interesting. No, I, th- I, th- I think I figured it out. I think I found out the real foundation of what I had done wrong. Cool. And why I was coming away from it feeling unsatisfied. Now, the rest of the, of the session I thought was quite good. I mean, I literally had called this event the Crucible, and it took place at a gigantic forge owned by a fire giant demigod. It was both literally and figuratively aptly named correct you know and i think this is hardly an original idea you know a lot of gms have done similar events sure and i gave it what i thought were challenging but simple mechanics yes i would agree some yeah there were predictable traps that would repeat um some enemies you wanted to draw into the traps some that that you wanted to draw out of the traps and uh i thought it went well Mm -hmm. but it was just at the end that killed me because uh i i walked out into a player and the players had been making mistake after mistake after mistake. And I knock out this character. He's on the ground. He loses a death saving throw. And I have another attack. Yeah. By by all rights, you should have pummeled him. I should have killed him. Right. Mm-hmm. And yet the problem was, is there were it would not have made it would have been anticlimactic. Mm. But that's going to lead to my to my epiphany later. So, okay. first of all, when to pull uh, when to pull a punch. Uh, number one, when a death would be fairly meaningless. Of course. Okay, or anticlimactic, you might say. And I'm not saying you must. I'm saying consider. Sure. Consider pulling a punch if the death of that player would be meaningless. Also, if you've had a lot of deaths, you could lose the whole meaning of your campaign. And that's for all of these, you know, generally with, you know, not even just this topic, but you always take these with, you know, a little grain of salt and... Think about where you are in your campaign or I mean, or there are so many variables. Absolutely. Next, uh, when you know that you made the fight unfair Hmm. and and perhaps unintentionally in that same moment, you had cast darkness on the area. (laughs) And I was like, well, where would my golem emerge from the darkness? And I exited at a point where I realized I probably wouldn't have gone that way had I not had my DM vision of knowing exactly where everyone was. Mm. And so there was a little bit of guilt there that maybe maybe I made this golem with three intelligence a little bit too tactical. Gotcha. Okay, like not maybe not maybe not great. It's okay to make a fight unfair intentionally. I think that there's a place for that. Oh, yeah. Especially if you don't want with it. Yeah, and if you if you don't mean for the players to to defeat them, like you want them to run away, that you know that's something I've learned, and that and I'm okay with that now. Yeah, that 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 took us it took us it took a, a little yeah. bit to wrap our brains around. It. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. But I think it's a good idea. You know, I think it's a, yeah. a, a certainly a, a valid way of looking at things. Yeah, survival sometimes. Sometimes you, gotta run. you know, and this is something that I think we largely do to make each other feel better. But we'll blame roll 20. Oh, absolutely. Roll 20 is the cause of every problem in the universe. I feel really terrible for a player if they've just rolled like their eighth one of the session. Right. Oh, or, it sucks. Or their, you know, their third critical fumble in a row. You know, it's just if it feels terrible, right? Yeah, it's and, really and bad, especially if they make a really good decision. Like tactically, this is sound, but we are playing a D twenty system, and you, you just, just have a five yeah. percent chance of failing. Just gives you the thumbs down. Yeah, you even give them advantage, and it's just like double ones, and you're like, what? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, again, there's the whole technically, there's no such thing as crits on skills and stuff like that but sure sure we've kind of house rule but on an attack roll there is like a a one fails pretty much regardless right okay so when it's just the dice that are punishing people and this is easier if you're like whispering your rolls or if you're rolling behind a screen Mm -hmm. then you could just be like 
oh, he misses you because you just crit, you know, the cleric three times in a row and you just want to give the guy a break. Yeah. So he doesn't like get emotional at the table like, oh, yeah, upset. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you got to know your players to that end. Some of them are just like, yeah, bring it on. You know, let the dice for, fall where they where they may. Because for me, that legitimizes my character. Right. It's like, okay, maybe I won't do it for you. But for the guy that I think might burst into tears, you know, I might. Like, you turn my back. character into paste. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, wrote I can't a 30 be page backstory. <laughs> you right. Know? Right. That feels bad. The best rule for when to pull a punch is when it makes sense. Right. This is, I think, the one where we could all agree, right? Yeah. If the enemy is going to gain more by capturing you, then they should do it. Okay, so when it makes sense with in-world context. And I think we've all done the TPK where uh, you wake up hours later, right? Yeah, yeah. We've all done it. Well, so because it works. Yeah, and it also gives the players a break. It's also your way of saying, sorry, I did probably tune that maybe a little higher than even i intended right okay so that takes us to when not to pull mm. when do you not pull a punch uh when players get cocky sure when players are being smarmy and we we've, we've seen it when a player is uh acting like they're immortal and this is something I, i've seen guy talk about on his show mm. how to be, be a great gm he he loved to talk about pain make them feel pain yeah he's <laughs> <laughs> There, there's a part of me that really wants to get into some of his games. And then there's another part of me who's like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> but there was the whole pain thing. Um, yeah. But I think he's right. Yeah. So when players get cocky, that's definitely uh, when players are stupid or apathetic. Yeah. Right? When players are are clearly looking at their phone, looking at their Facebook, whatever it is. And they're not really emotionally invested. Then what reason do you have to pull a punch? Oh, yeah. You let them have it. You might let them have it. Okay. When not to pull. When it's good for plot. Oh, yeah. If you are dying because you made a big character decision that you knew was risky. Mm -hmm. Death can be great drama. It can be a great end to your story. Yeah, because sometimes the risk actually happens. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And then... I think this is something you said to me earlier uh, when it would be unequally applied. Yes. Yes. Don't don't play favorites. If you did the opposite earlier, mm-hmm. you know, if if you didn't if the same situation occurred earlier and you didn't pull the punch, don't pull it now because then that player, assuming it's a different player, but even if it's the same one, you start looking at this weird contradiction where they're like, how come, you know, five minutes ago when this same thing happened, you just let me have it or whatever. And then now you're not, you know, you get this weird inconsistency. If you set a precedent already, make sure you are aware of it and stick to it. Definitely. Um, If you pulled a punch on a, then you have to do it to B, right? Right. Or rather, if you, if you didn't punch, if you pull the punch on A, you have to keep pulling punches on A. Yeah, that's what I. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or well, I don't know. I think in that case, you you gave the guy a, a get out of jail free card. If he goes and stands in the fire again, I don't know what to do. Oh, if he's if he's tempting the fate, right? Then it's like, no, you thumb your then nose I'll, at at the. GM. And, and this was another part where I had a lot of conflict with you guys last night hmm. because I made it painfully obvious i mean you did you can disagree if you want to but i I don't think you will yeah i made it painfully obvious that when the when the the iron golem stands in the fire he heals Mm. and all you the entire mechanic was walk him out of the fire Mm. he will just walk at you he's dumb so and you guys kept standing it just (laughs) right next to him mistakes were made i mean was it not clear no i felt It was clear what at least tripped me up. I mean, it's hard for me to speak for everyone else, but what tripped me up one was realizing that this, that the monster had reach, which made movement just trickier overall. I mean, you could still do it and everything. It didn't hamper us that way, but it made AOs a little trickier to to deal with and then on top of that 
this guy would stand in the fire and he'd get healed. And yeah, but he would always walk at you. Right. I never had him intentionally walk back in to heal because that would have been cheap. And right. He had a very low intelligence score. So I was like, OK, he's not going to do that. And the problem was that one of us and it wasn't ever me. So I'll was you one or two times. I stayed away. Not at the end there. OK, you did get close. Well, now, OK, well, what, generally what had happened was you moved south. So you got away from him, but then he moved south. But oh. you were still right next to the rectangle where the fire was. That's that's true. And by the way, that was also the point where I thought mm, maybe he wouldn't have actually done that. Maybe that was bad form on my part. OK, because, OK, he just got hit with darkness. He can't see. Why wouldn't he just walk forward? Sure. I got gotcha. you. Right. Maybe. And maybe he should have done that. But, but anyway, chat's backing me up here in chat saying, yeah, 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 that they saw the screenshot and immediately knew what was going on. Yeah. Nah, nah, nah. Ba- basically, at least one of us stayed close enough where it would basically act as a bumper that he'd run into and would just stop at the nearest thing he could attack. Yeah, that's right. So literally the whole mechanic was disengage and let him walk. Right. And I felt like the turns were moving at a really fast clip. So I was surprised that no they one would did. just allow that. I mean, it's a lot. There were a lot of turns where people said, OK, I'm going to let him walk. But almost inevitably, someone else in the yep. round would run in. Yep. And on top of that, you know, you had a character with a flaming sword. So he was like healing back. Oh, my God. That like was most of the damage. Uh, <laughs> it was a it was a comedy of errors for sure. Uh, so. Anyway, there's a lot of problems here, and I don't want to get too into it, but here's the takeaway. And this is my opinion, so take it for for what it's worth. But I think this is a rule that I'm going to have for myself going forward. Okay. If a player shouldn't die in a given moment, then don't make it very likely. And that's like the first half. The second half is, if you want a deadly encounter, include a reason why it might be good for story. Hmm. So sometimes we like to do deadly all the time, especially at high levels, because it gets harder and harder and harder to challenge player characters because PCs are like crazy powerful (laughs) Mm -hmm. at at high levels, especially, you know, a party of them. Wow. So difficult to deal with. But I was like, okay, I've put my players in a scenario where death is at least semi probable. And yet there would be no dramatic reason for any of the characters to die. Right. And I think that that, is the foundation. I think that's for me, the epiphany. I'm not a big fan of the random encounter. Yeah. But I think that the random encounter could serve certain benefits, but I don't think death is necessarily something I would put on the table unless I made it painfully obvious that they were not to engage with this thing or they were to do so to a limited extent. Right. I would keep deadliness for that climatic moment where it would be story wise acceptable for a PC to perish. The exception to that is if if you are in a place where it's reasonable to expect that just about anything you'd run into is deadly, like you're just in a freaking bad, scary place where Mm -hmm. most things you would run into where the deadliness would typically be expected as a general rule. Sure. And I don't necessarily regret putting you guys in the crucible, but I do regret not creating the setup beforehand Mm. to make the crucible personal to any of you. Yeah. At least not to most of you. Yeah. And so that I would say that was the biggest mistake. Hmm. So, yeah, when you meet an owlbear in the wilderness and it's a random encounter. Okay. You know? Yeah. But that should be, in my opinion, my humble opinion probably a manageable encounter. Yeah. Um, when you are facing the final boss who has forced you into a couple of like moral choices and you've had to make some difficult decisions. Now we're being faced with all the consequences of that decision. Death is on the table. Right. And that's exciting because if you win, then you triumph. And if you die, then it was glorious. Yeah. And in both cases, I think the player can, at least a mature player can come away from that experience feeling like they got something. Yeah. So, yeah. and it, you know, I realize that this is 
maybe a little blasphemous to a lot of people, but I don't know. What do you think? I think I, I definitely wouldn't say it's anything near blasphemous. I mean, sure. Granted, there are those those DMs that like their head counts and really pride themselves on being brutal. And, you know, they they roll their dice on the table and whatever happens, happens. And, you know, always come with an extra character sheet or some of that, you know, whatever. But I think, you know, it all comes down to the fact that generally, at least if you're taking the game relatively seriously, you care about your character. And if you're paying attention and stuff, you know, having a character die is generally a pretty big deal or it it ought to be, you know, different people have different levels of investment and that's fine. But assuming that's the case and generally if you're a gm if you are playing so hardcore that you off all of your original characters it can be a real pain to bring in all new characters yeah it can be a real demotivator unless you're doing like a soft reset yeah campaign you're like okay well this is the sequel and we're going to deal with the consequences of the failure of the first party. Like that could be really interesting. Right. But it's hard to continue the same campaign. Right. If you were doing something kind of episodic too, where, you know, if the campaign was maybe about like a guild or something and the yeah. PCs are guild members, then you just bring in new guild members and they're already kind of brought right or or maybe you're going in going listen guys this is tomb of annihilation like don't write a backstory (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) something like that you're right where it's just okay this is part of the contract that death is very present that that would be fine but anyway that's uh that's basically my inspiration point when and when when not to pull punches i like you want to punch meaningfully punch meaningfully (laughs) that's a great way to look at it And, you know, be be consistent as much as you can. And, you know, the chat also mentioned in terms of the consistency thing, come up with some story or magic reason to justify Mm -hmm. a difference. You know, if you made this call on the first thing happening and then it happens again and you want to call it different, of course, you can, you know, if you feel that it magic is convenient. Yeah. You know, if you feel that it's really justified and you really, 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 really don't want to make that first call again, you're the GM, do whatever you want, you know? Yeah. And you can justify it or you don't have to justify it. You know, you don't have to explain (laughs) yourself to nobody, (laughs) but I mean, what, what do I know? Right. So it's fine. Yeah. Um, Anyway, that's my inspiration point. Uh, What is yours? I want to chat about randomness and why why I like it. Okay. And that's not to say that predictability and planning things and stuff is not good or something like, but there are some things that I've found that I really enjoy that you can do with randomness that can get you some neat things like with the spectacular settlements. I know someone uh, someone <laughs> mentioned uh, last week I that you need to plug it more. <laughs> I should have plugged it. So there you go. It's the uh, the requisite the plug. plug. But that book is packed with these random tables where you go through and rolling on these tables can help you conjure up these different all kinds of crazy ideas for these different places. And the randomness is the thing that that makes it interesting that you you wind up getting these combinations of things that are by definition unpredictable. We also run into randomness, like we said, even with uh, with roll twenty, just with dice. Randomness is inherently built into the game, and on top of that, we've got certain things that are built on the idea of randomness like loot tables and things like that where even Mm -hmm. things you find can be generated randomly what's interesting about looking at randomness versus being able to calculate and predict everything is what i feel one of the biggest differences are 
between a game and a puzzle. Now, that's not to say you can't have puzzle games, but like, say, use your crucible situation, for example. Okay. If our characters went into that situation and we knew that character A has an attack that always hits when it is used, it can be used once a turn and it does this amount of damage. Okay. And then we know that this enemy has certain predictable things. It has an attack that does this. It has a reaction that does this, blah, 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 blah. We see how many of those enemies there are around the room. We have our own characters. And it becomes a matter of, okay, there is a solution to this. We need to look at the tools in our toolkit and see how best to apply them but it's it's kind of like a math problem where like you just have to solve it where randomness is the thing that brings that element of uncertainty and drama into the situation i'm going to try to attack this thing but it might not work and what's going to happen if it doesn't work during that fight my character used a wand of wonder and that thing has been so cool and so fun to use. But at usually. This, usually, exactly. <laughs> like, when it works, it works like gangbusters. But you could also accidentally cast a gust of wind that blows the fire-healed golem back into the fire. Yeah, that, and- that did happen. <laughs> Or you're getting ready, you're like, come on, lightning bolt, and you turn the golem blue. <laughs> and, there were um, a couple of unfortunate rolls there. Oh, man. It, But it was also fun. Like, you, you definitely get these kind of, oh, snap moments that you wouldn't get if, if say... You know, the wand had like points that you could spend and had features on it that you could just purchase with those points. Oh, I want lightning bolts, so I'm going to spend four of my points. You know, Mm -hmm. that's a lot more boring, maybe more effective, but more boring than going, all right, let's see what this thing kicks out. And so are are you saying that randomness creates a certain sense of drama or Maybe even wonder. (laughs) Yeah. You know, like the wand of wonder. Yes. Um, Just that that randomness is really something, maybe the thing that brings that kind of special element to the game. But let me just interject this really quick. Sure. Extra credits, if if you've never seen it, if any if anyone on uh, out there hasn't seen extra credits on YouTube. So good. I highly, highly recommend it. It's an amazing show. They mostly talk about game design and video games, but they talk about this thing called the Delta of Randomness. Mm. And it's a fantastic. They're they're, they're mostly talking about Hearthstone. Mm -hmm. They're talking about the Delta of Randomness, but they're talking about like how much you can gain or lose and what sort of the the like rage induce or victory inducing feel Mm -hmm. uh, can be based on. And now, mind you, that's in a in a PVP scenario. So it's a little bit different, right? But I, it's definitely worth it looking into. And I just wanted to, to mention that show extra credits. Yeah. So one thing I'm, well, I shouldn't say one thing, but what I'm wondering is, have there been any instances that you have encountered or experienced in some way where you felt like randomness played a really great role in giving you something some kind of experience or an outcome Mm. or whatever that wouldn't have happened otherwise you know oddly enough i I find that randomness gives me a sense of earning which is strange because by definition you didn't earn it right (laughs) right and yet in that moment when the die roll lands where you want at least in in terms of this game there is a sense of legitimacy yeah if you roll on the on the magic item table and you're a paladin and you get holy avenger like that is yours right it was faded 
it was like, yeah, it feels like it was faded, even though you literally didn't do anything differently. Yeah. You know, there is something about about that, right? There's something about landing the big critical hit at the at the right moment. Yeah. Hitting that skill check that adds, you know. Okay, so I've been playing a lot of Baldur's Gate 3, right? Sure. And, you know, I don't really save scum, right? I don't like to do that. Yeah. I don't like to reload the game. Partially, it's the loading times. But the other part of it is it really just, it, for me, it like sucks out the fun. Mm-hmm. You know, I really want to let the dice fall where they may, even if it frustrates me at times. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't know. Randomness creates drama. Also, they do this mechanic in the game where they roll the die and then, you know, the die rolls, it, it seems, and and it takes a couple of seconds for it to reach its conclusion. And that creates also a sense of drama. Oh, it's a it's it's certainly a tense moment. Because you do have that moment where you're like, come on, come, come on, on come it. on. Yeah. 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 No whammies. Right. So I, I really like that. As far as like a particular scenario where I feel like randomness, I, I uh, nothing's coming to mind immediately. Mm. I feel like something should. I mean, there was the, the, the one time we were playing in this campaign and I did a critical hit that dealt like 200 damage. Oh, man. Yeah. That felt amazing. That you was know, that's something cool. that that I'll remember and, and take with me. Maybe it wasn't 200 damage, but it was it was pretty dang high. <laughs> I think it actually was. It was it might have been because we were using those night. ridiculous Nord cards. The crit deck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you got like a I think it was like a quintuple. Yeah, it was, just, it was it was gross off. The so chart. to that end, I, but the card was also random. So, you know, there was some legitimacy there, too, as well. Yeah. You know, which was cool. And those cards would later come back to haunt me. So, you know, it was oh, fine. yeah, it all it all comes back around. I wasn't happy in the moment, but in hindsight, you know, it, it was it's fair play. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I think randomness is is interesting. And I think it it plays a very interesting role in in what we do. Oh, yeah. The. um and the the chat is pointing out something interesting. One of our uh, one of our players in one of our campaigns has this uh, has a basically a super sword, and uh, it's like the most powerful weapon in uh, forgotten. Yeah, even War. saying super sword is like understating what what it is and what it means. Yeah, <laughs> but it's, anyway, it's continue. crazy. <laughs> it's uh, imbued with like the ability to use elven high magic if you trigger it but if you trigger it it usually comes at a cost yeah and anytime this thing would get popped off you're rolling on a table but the stuff that this thing is doing is like next level miracle kind of stuff like we were up against a bunch of like whites or um you know some some kind of cursed undead and there were a bunch of elves that have been trapped in this place and the sword gets used and the power that comes up basically restores it cures or removes the curse from all of these elves and they're basically restored to their humanity or uh mortality and it's as if you know the curse never happened but they're like all hundreds of years old or more. And now you've all of a sudden got like, you know, this basically like a battalion worth of elves who basically stopped living like centuries ago. And all that coming from a random table. Which is cool if if the random table produces an effect that almost feels scripted. Right then that's really cool. Uh, you know, I, I also remember that in a big gigantic session we played the other day, there, there was a, was it like finger of death or something like one of these, like instant kill spells was being cast at one of our party members. Right. And he was like, I literally have to roll a 20 to, to save. Yeah. And we're like, all right, let's see it. Boom. That 20 hit. <laughs> that <laughs> the whole was... table went bananas. <laughs> it was insane. Like, 
That was great. Now that person still died, but it was, <laughs> but not that turn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, he's he's a corpse. No, uh, uh, yeah. Hopefully, I survive long enough to use Revivify, and if not, then um, rip. Good game. <laughs> yeah, it was. It's it's very it's very cool. Randomness is is pretty is pretty great. I mean, there are other times where it just it feels like the dice hate you and it can. I don't know what that's like. Oh, God, it can. It can be so miserable. Like like you were saying earlier, you know, it can. You can have these nights where you feel like you just cannot hit the broad side of a barn. You're just rolling one after one after one. Just whiffing. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, and that kind of again is one of the reasons I might pull a punch is like yeah. if someone's having that kind of night. I remember uh, I did a house rule back in the day where if you missed like twice in a row, then like your next attack would have advantage basically, no matter mm-hmm. what. And yeah, I you know we ended up not taking that with us, right? But you know, I it did make a couple of scenarios feel better for certain players. But I will say it, it, that little house rule also kind of hurt the randomness in the moment. Yep. And it hurt it hurt the drama. And yeah. at a certain point, like players would almost go be like, oh, good. I missed because now I'm going to use my big hit on the next thing. Yep. And it's like, OK, well, now you're just <laughs> you're you're well, you're gaming the system, right? Like, well, now I know why this rule doesn't exist in the actual game. <laughs> yep. There you go. And, you know, which that, is a yeah. A little bit of lesson. experimentation there. And I think that, you know, this point plays nicely with yours, too, because it's it all ultimately comes down to finding a balance between, you know, between embracing the randomness and knowing when to override it. Um, because, you know, like you were saying, you know, there are times you want to pull a punch and Pulling the punch is by definition going, you know, I know that I said this, but I think I might know better. Right. And it it can be a tricky line to walk. Yeah. And I think we would both agree that randomness needs to be the norm, right? It yeah. needs to be the yeah. modus operandi. You know, you it needs to be the rule, not the exception. Yes, I would agree. So if you, if you ever do want to pull or <laughs> throw that punch. Yep then that needs to be done oh so sparingly yeah yeah because if you if you take that because you delegitimize the game exactly if you, if you abuse that yep yep you know when you when you say i have a level 14 character you know a level 20 character like you want to be able to say like they earned that they weren't walked to that level right although very few of us probably could say it because most characters never Number one, never make it that far. Right. And number two, because boy, this is a deadly game. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, well, granted, as you get higher up with with the the three death saves and being able to pretty easily stabilize someone and how powerful healing spells can be. I mean, there's a heck of a lot of ways to avoid death especially at higher levels but there are also some freaking gnarly things at higher levels where it's like I, how do you deal with this <laughs> like, yeah there's definitely some some very challenging things but they they have made it a little harder to die compared to the last couple of versions of this game which plays very well into uh into the the heroic fantasy, right? Like this isn't sure. Call of Cthulhu. You're not supposed to feel like you know this insignificant speck that might die at any second. Like you're a hero, and <laughs> you know. But that brings up a good point for for both of our points is that some of these rules may change depending upon the tone that you're going for. Absolutely, in your game yeah. Or on the setting itself. Yet D and D is inherently quite different from Call of Cthulhu, which is different from World of Darkness, which is different from whatever weird other game you have, uh, you know, yeah, it doesn't matter. I mean, I, I've been, you know, like we just said, D and D 
at its default is made to be like heroic fantasy. But I have been, mm. uh, thanks to some prompting from, uh, some of our recent conversations I am trying to step outside my comfort zone and I am preparing to run a game. I'm getting ready to run curse of Strahd and I have been looking through this, uh, through the book and I'm trying to read like pretty much everything. And the, the sense of horror and how to, make things feel scary and foreboding and all this stuff like my, and I mean, you know this, but my, my default is kind of, kind of wacky, fun, crazy, um, very off the cuff. Uh, and another way I'm trying to go outside my comfort zone as I'm looking at this is trying to get my head in the tonal space of this and trying to really embrace like, okay, you know, when I, when I'm narrating this or when I'm running you guys through this, I am going to be fighting my urge to be goofy or crazy and really like put the seriousness down. And I mean, for horror, you can't be serious all the time. You need that levity to break it up, but still, and some of the randomness that's in here like i'm looking at like certain traps or certain encounters and this this campaign is not messing around and just looking at the way some of the dice are or it's like oh this might happen this might happen i'm like man this is this is randomness with a serious face on so it goes to show that you know depending on the tone you want there are different ways that you can use randomness amongst other things to help support the tone you're going for. But by the way, if you had gone to uh, let's say Barnes and Noble or something, and you had seen all of the different modules lined up together and you thought to yourself, I need to run a campaign because my friends have been running games for me and it's only fair that I run a game for them. If you had seen them all lined up together, where would curse of Strahd be? been in that ranking honestly it probably would have been number one maybe number oh, really? two oh. because i that you surprises know, me i'm glad uh because contrary to popular belief i do at least think about running <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of good that does me <laughs> i know i know i probably shouldn't even said anything um <laughs> like that He'd probably like that, but I, I just, I can't, <laughs> but no, I, I have looked into like what, what folks, uh, generally believe is the most well-written, uh, mm. module and things like, you know, rankings and things like that. And Strahd is, it's on top of like every yeah, it's list. It's usually on like the top three. Yeah. Of most people's list. Um, and I mean, at the, least in terms of fifth ed. Yeah. And the ones that I saw, like it was constantly number one. Everyone's like, you want the best of the best go with this. Um, so I would have probably gone with it only for that reason. Not necessarily because it's a scary, you know, kind of thing. Just, just because, I want a book that's well put together and well written that I can use as easily as possible because Mm -hmm. usability with these things is a big freaking deal. And, and that's, that's a whole other freaking topic. So I don't want to dive down that rabbit hole, but sure. Yeah. I ultimately, I think I probably, I probably would have picked it just because it's interesting. I, I almost, chose it for you because i thought it would be so low on your list oh man well i'm glad it worked out either way i'm glad it worked out too plus you know the thing looks like a coffin so that's fun oh man the new packaging for it if anyone wants to check it out it's so cool you get a bunch of like extra freebies you get the taroka deck and um well, freebies, I don't know about that, but I, I mean, you definitely pay for it. Oh, but, uh, sure, uh, sure, 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 sure. <laughs> yeah, I, 
but they include a bunch of side stuff apart from the book that's that are really cool that I yeah. wouldn't have thought would be in there. There's like there's a lot of novelty. Yeah, themed postcards and stuff. Yeah, there's a wicked cool DM screen in there. It's freaking gorgeous. Really, really. Cool. Already, but so randomness. Any any final thoughts on that one? Um, you know, just the kind of the opposite of of yours. You know, just think <laughs> think think about when when to embrace it as well as when to you yeah. know give it the old curbside kick, um, and use it to enhance your fun as well. You know, because sometimes mm-hmm. that tension. You know, you get rid of the randomness and by definition, all you're left with is predictability and predictability can be pretty dang boring. You know, and, and just like in that game of League of Legends, I was playing where I got carried mm. and I felt fairly useless during that game. You know, not allowing randomness normally can give players that same feeling. Yeah. Like, yeah, I won, but it doesn't feel terribly earned. Like it's hollow. Yeah, yeah. And that can feel pretty bad to players. Yeah, it so, definitely can. So randomness is I mean, listen, it's it's the core mechanic of almost all of these games. Yep. And it exists there for a reason. It's it's both drama, but it's also legitimacy. Gotta have them dice. Mm-hmm. And they're fun to roll. I mean, come on. Oh, they are like I'm let, let's I face it, the, the best the best rule in fifth ed, I think. I think is easily advantage and disadvantage. Oh yeah. That was a revelation. Right? Like everybody. I think that was, that was their best idea. Yep. You know, Roll rolling another die is so much better than getting plus two or plus four or plus five even. Yep. Like plus five is probably like mathematically is good or, or maybe even a little better, but mm. like rolling another die is way more fun. Oh yeah, absolutely. And who doesn't love to toss a big fat fistful of fireball? Oh man. I, that's what I miss about in-person games. Rolling dice on a table is... You know what? You so can fun. always roll them on your table. You know, I just might. In front of you. I just might. Just for fun. Even when nobody's... Even <laughs> for no good reason. Well, it's fun to roll them. That's a good reason. Anyway. Well, you do need you do need context. <laughs> that's true. That's true. We need context. Anyway, I think that's, uh, I think that's it for this evening. I think so. Yeah. All right. Well... Thanks, everyone, for hanging out with us. Please make sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you found us. And if this is your first time listening, be sure to download and check out our other episodes. You should be able to find us on most major podcast platforms, including iTunes and Spotify. And if you listen via iTunes, please make sure to leave us a five-star review and tell us what you think. And you can uh, find our website at inspirationpoint.buzzsprout. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash inspiration point podcast and on Twitter at IPRPGcast. And Adam, what's our uh, what's our brand new Patreon website? Address? Well, if you if you go to patreon.com slash inspiration point, you can join us at either the five or one hundred dollar level. The $5 level will give you access to our community. You can hang out during our show. You can give us your opinion on, you know, inspiration points you'd like to hear. Uh, A lot of little things, basically. Yeah. Uh, If you join at the $100 level, then we will set up a campaign for you and we will play a game and it will be great fun and you will have a character arc and catharsis and all those other wonderful things. I will say... Uh, as far as that $100 level goes, uh, depending on how many people decide to dive on that, we may need to limit it. It sounds crazy to me to anticipate that even being a possibility. Um, no, I'll just run again. It's fine. <laughs> I just might have more than one group. You know, it is. It is what it is, man. Come and play. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> I mean, if you all of a sudden... I mean, I'm going to be the one running anyway, Andrew, so chill. (laughs) Hey, if we had 100 people just all of a sudden sign up for it, I mean, apart from being an insane... I'll figure it out. No, if 100 people sign up, the price is going up. It's very simple. There you go, supply and demand. Um, So there you go. If you jump on it too late, the price might jump up. Um, (laughs) 
Anyway, please join at the hundred dollar level on patreon.com slash inspiration point. Wow. So justify can. another game night to my wife. There you go. All right. Well, thanks again, everybody. We love you. And uh, until next time, stay inspired. Bye. Bye. Bye.